just a just a small just a minute about myself. Uh, me and my wife both we grew up here in Carter County, and um, I've pastored a couple of churches, been youth pastor, and we spent a very short time in Idaho. Anybody know where Idaho is? It's a good it's a it's a good far journey. A lot of people got it mixed up with Iowa, and I said, no, if you go to Iowa, you're not even halfway yet to Idaho, and it's like a foreign country. And we were out there a very short time, and um, we, we came back. And it's, it's kind of hard to stay away from East Tennessee. And so here we are, and we're right back in Carter County. But uh, thank the Lord for being here this morning, and thank the Lord for His Word. Thank the Lord for the worship this morning. Enjoyed a time of worship. And I hope this morning that you're ready to get into God's Word, and I'll, I'll, I'll quit... Uh, rambling here and we'll just get into the word and Ephesians chapter 4 if you'd like to turn with us if you have your Bibles this morning you know when uh, a preacher when he's called on to to fill in Pastor Travis knows what I'm about to say here you've got in your notes an arsenal of what you would maybe consider your greatest hits and you're called on Maybe at a moment's notice, you pull out one of the greatest hits, you know. And I've done this before, and when I say greatest hits, you bear with me here. I don't have, I don't, I don't have greatest hits. But when you, sometimes, you know, you may preach something at one particular church, and you think, boy, that went really well. It went better than I expected. And I'm going I'm gonna, to I'm gonna keep that one on top. If I, if I get called to, to preach somewhere, I'll just pull that one out. And I've done that, and it didn't go so well the second time, you know. It, I don't know what happened. This is not one of those greatest hits, okay? This is um, a couple weeks ago in the early service, I preached in Ephesians chapter 3. And through my study, it led me over to Ephesians chapter 4. And so that's where we're going to be this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm very ambitious when I was studying this and I was studying through the first 16 verses. And I learned in the early service that about seven or eight verses is about as far as we're going to get. That's okay. It's kind of like a, it's it's kind of like crown bologna. You can slice it off wherever you need it, and just go with it. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, if you'd like to uh, follow along, Ephesians chapter four, verse number one. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let's stop right there and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for every bit of it. And Lord, it is your word to us. And it's our prayer this morning, God, as we get into it, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts through it. Lord, your, your word is it's supernatural. And God, we just pray that you would speak to our hearts today. And we pray, God, that your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in this first verse, and this is Paul, and Paul's writing this 
from a Roman prison. He's, he's basically on the trial of his life. And he's writing this to the Ephesian church. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about myself and I'm on the trial of my life and I'm writing a letter, that letter is going to be, get me out of here. You know, here I am. Get, somebody send something, get me out of here. But Paul has, has realized where he's at and, and he has, he, he, it seems that he has accepted where he's at and his goal or his desire is to encourage the Ephesian church through this. And so, and God is using this to encourage the church today. And so Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesian church to, uh, to encourage them, to help them to get some things nailed down in their life or in their church uh, that they need to know. And that, ain't that just a, a, amazing that that would be what is on his mind in, in his time that he's facing uh, such a trial, that he's facing what he's facing, but that he is, he is concerned about others. And so he's writing this, and in the first verse, he talks about walking in a manner worthy of the calling where which you have been called. And I've got walk underlined in my Bible. Uh, he's using this word walk uh, to talk about what we might say today. We, we, we may not use this word in our daily life as, as Paul is using this in God's word. And like if I were to say, well, I walk as Sarah's husband. Well, that, what are you talking about? I'm living my life as Sarah's husband. That's my wife's name. I'm living my life as her husband. Or I'm living my life as my child's parents. But we may not use that word walk the way that maybe Paul's using it in the Bible. But when we're talking about our faith, we might say our walk with the Lord. Anybody ever use that term? My walk with the Lord. My walk of faith. My walk in the Spirit. We, we, we may use that term uh, to talk about living our life. And your Bible might even say, instead of walk, it might say, live your life in a manner worthy. Uh, it's talking about living our life and how we are living our life. But Paul is using the word walk. And as I was studying this and reading this, I, I, when I think about my walk, and I think about walking, I cannot help but think back to years ago. Now, I'm talking like 20, 30, about 30 years ago, 30-ish years ago, we used to participate in something called the Don and Billy Sexton Walkathon for Foreign Missions. Has anybody here ever heard of that? A walkathon for foreign missions. And I would, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, you know, my, my childhood years, I remember this walkathon vivid, vividly. I've even got t-shirts from this walkathon, me and my wife, we've got t-shirts from, from this walkathon that we earn. You know, you do something, you get the t-shirt, we've got the t-shirt. And so we've got a box of these t-shirts under our bed still. And one of these days we hope to get it made into a quilt or something. But I remember this vividly, walking this walkathon. Now, the reason I think about this when I think about our walk of faith, because it was a 10-mile walk. Now I can't, if I walk two miles, I'm done, right? If I run two miles, it's because something's chasing me. But if I walk two miles, I'm done. But ten mi a 10-mile walk, and we would start downtown, and we would come out on 19, and we would go up 91 all the way to the Hunter Bridge, and then we would cross the road, I believe. I think I've got this. I, I don't think I'm getting this mixed up. And we would go all the way back out to 19, all the way up 19, to the double bridges and valley fords. We would cross the road, and we would come back down. Okay? And I would look forward to this for, for a couple of reasons. Okay? One... 
There were stops along the way where there were these guys in the trucks that, that maybe they couldn't walk 10 miles, but they would set up their trucks and they would have water, Gatorade. Some of them would even sneak some soda pop. There would be candy bars, Snickers, Little Debbie cakes, potato chips, all the good stuff that mom and dad would say, you can't eat that before dinner. You can have all you wanted, okay? So uh, as an eight or nine-year-old kid, and if you knew me as an eight or nine-year-old kid, you would know that I lived on that stuff. And then there was another reason, okay? We got to go out and walk on the road, on the highway, where mom would never let me go. Not only did I get to go, but I was encouraged to go, okay? I wasn't really thinking about uh, the, 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 the missionaries that were overseas that were dependent on this money. I wasn't thinking about the money that I had raised. I was thinking about getting to walk on the highway and play in traffic, okay? And it was legal. Like, we had police officers out there blocking traffic so we could cross the road. I mean... The one time a year, I mean, I would look forward to this for weeks. I would be preparing for this, and I would, be, I, would, I would be so ready to get out there and walk beside the road and do something that I wasn't allowed to do. And then as a 10-year-old kid, about two miles in, I was ready to give up, okay? We would get to these water stops where uh, these men would have the, 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 the water and things, and, and we would beg them, hey, can we get in the truck with you? No. No, sir, you've got to keep walking, you know. And so when I think about our walk with the Lord, it's kind of like that walkathon, okay? It's not necessarily, it's not a sprint. It's not, um, it's, it's not just a, a couple miles in your dumb, but it's, it's, it's more like that walkathon. And what Paul is saying here, he's talking about walking out our faith. So I want you to go for a walk with me here this morning as we go through this. All throughout the Bible, the word walk has been, described, has been used to describe uh, walking out your faith or living your life. Over in Deuteronomy 10, 12, he talks about walking in all his ways. In John 8, 12, Jesus said, Whosoever follows him will not walk in darkness. John, uh, or Romans 6, 4 talks about walking in a new life. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 talks about walking by faith and not by sight. Uh, Galatians 5.17 talks about walking by the Spirit. Ephesians 5.8 talks about walking as children of light. And Ephesians 5.2 says to walk in love. And all these things, he's not talking about getting out here on the side of the road and walking in the emergency lane, but he's talking about living our life and how we live out our life here on this earth. And Ephesians chapter 4 is a practical application. If you look at the first, two ver the first two words, he said, I therefore, and you've got to look and see what it's there for. The first three chapters of Ephesians are rich in what we would call Bible doctrines. And I heard some snores just as soon as I said Bible doctrines. I could just hear the snores starting with some of the kids. You're like, Bible doctrines. Boy, that sounds boring. But it's talking about Bible truth, Okay. It's not something boring. That's what pastor gets up every Sunday and he preaches to you Bible doctrines, Bible truths. And so therefore, and he's looking back to all these truths that are in Ephesians, the first three chapters, all these truths that are in this letter that Paul has written, he's saying, therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk. 
And if you go back through, and I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to hit some highlights here. I'm not going to go through a lot of this, but in Ephesians 1.11, he said, We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Talking about God's sovereignty and how God's over all things. And in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, talks about the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us. His great might that he worked in Christ. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, two of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God. Talking about how that we're saved through faith and through God's grace and not of works. Ephesians 2, 18 talks about our access to God and how we have direct access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Ephesians 2.20 talks about how we are God's dwelling place. And then in Ephesians chapter 3 talks about the mystery, the mystery of the Gentiles being partakers of the gospel or partakers of the promise. And he's given us a call here in the first verse, a call to walk. Call to walk, just like I got that call to walk in the walkathon, you know, because they announced it at church. Hey, we're having the walkathon two weeks from now. Here, get your get your sponsors. That was my call right there. Get out there and walk. And so Paul is giving them a call to walk. And I like what he says right here. He says, "Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called." Now, there's a lot of people that have this thought that they've got to walk worthy to obtain a calling. That they've got to walk worthy to achieve a calling. But he's saying here to walk worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He's saying you've already been called. He's writing this to a church. He's saying you've already been called. You've already been saved. Walk worthy of that. What's that talking about worthy? That, that, that's, uh, that sounds like an old-fashioned word. And the same word that is translated for worthy here is the same word that might be becoming or deserving of or a way that reflects your calling. So to walk worthy of the calling wherewith you have been called, he's talking about walking in a way that reflects who you are. Not a way that's trying to obtain something, but in a way that reflects who you already are. If you are a believer this morning, then you have been called. You have been called according to His purpose. You are saved, so you walk in a way that reflects who you are in Christ. And He's given the charge, He's given the call here for us to walk in that way. One commentator put it this way. He said, now that you know who Christ is and who you are in Christ and how he saved you and placed you into his family, walk it out in this world. Walk it out. Just like we were walking by the road and people would look and go, who are these crazy people? And we had these really loud t-shirts and it would say what it was and then they were able to see who we were. That's the same way when we're walking out our faith in this world. It's not really a popular thing and it's not really something that's going to get you a lot of praise. But it's something that reflects who Jesus is. And that's why we're here. In verses 2 and 3, now this was a call to walk. In verses 2 and 3, he gives us some instructions for the walk. And I was always glad when we were doing this walkathon. 
I was always glad to have some instructions. Maybe I wasn't so glad, but I'm glad now that I have, because I'm still here with you. Because if they hadn't given us those instructions about when to cross the road and all this, I may not be here, okay? But we had some instructions. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So there's some instructions here for the walk, okay? So as we're, as we're going to walk out this thing here in, in our life, here's some instructions that Paul's given. And, you know, I like it when people give me easy instructions, don't you? It, you know, turn on light switch, you know. Push button on coffee maker. Pick up carafe, pour into cup. I mean, I, I like those kind of instructions, you know. These don't seem quite that simple. He says, with all, okay, humility and gentleness and patience, okay, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. None of this is natural, okay? None of this is natural to the flesh. None of this is stuff that just in the flesh that you just do, okay? Um, humility, no. The natural thing in the flesh is to live pridefully. Um, gentleness and patience, okay? Patience is not something that the flesh is going to bring out in you. No, it's going to be the opposite. We're, we're going to be impatient, you know. Come on now. There's two cars ahead of me in this McDonald's line. Why? Don't they know I've got to go to work, you know, when I should have left 10 minutes earlier? But it's this guy's fault in front of me, right? Patience. I mean, this, this, none, of this is, none of this is natural. And maybe even to the world, this might not even seem normal, you know, for people to be patient. And here's the one I like in, in verse 3. Eager. To maintain, I've never caught this before, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. He didn't just say apt to maintain peace or, uh, or, or an ability to maintain. No, he says eager. Anybody here ever been in a situation where you've been eager to be the peacemaker? Boy, I'm so eager. I've got this person at work or school and this person at work or school that are uh, they're, they're at odds with each other and I'm so eager to go to school today. I get to be the peacemaker. No, no, that's not normal. He's given us these instructions to, to live out our life this way. But he does, he says over in Galatians 5, 16... He says, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So these things might not be normal, so to speak, in the flesh or might not be easy or natural in the flesh. But he said, if we walk by the Spirit, we'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. So by walking in the Spirit, then we can walk out our life and walk out our faith in gentleness and patience and humility. Let me say this. Humility is not thinking of yourself. It's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. There's just something to think about. And then we can be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You see, we're maintaining something that God's already doing. We, we're not creating uh, unity or we're not, we're not creating peace, but he says eager to maintain it. One of, my, one of my favorite 
writers, and probably because the books I have of his are very thin and I'm, I'm, I have a very short attention span. A.W. Tozer, and I, I had this underlined in, in a book and as I was studying this, this came to my mind. He said, a hundred worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. He sent a hundred worshipers that are just looking to God, that are worshiping Him, that have their mind and their eyes fixed on Him, are going to be more unified than a bunch of people that are so worried about being unified that they take their eyes off Christ. I think about this, talking about walking out our faith in our marriages, if we could get a hold of this, that our first priority is to look to God and look to Christ. And you've got, a, you got a, a man and woman who are both looking to the Lord. They're going to find themselves arm in arm. They're going to find themselves walking together um, through some of the toughest times. One commentator says... To keep the unity and walk worthy, we must constantly feed on the reality of our redemption in Christ. When we're focused on the reality that Jesus has saved us, not of ourself, it kind of brings out the humility and patience. It kind of brings out that eagerness to walk with. And then, in verses 4 through 6... We're walking together. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Walking together with each other and with the Lord. If you, if, if you pay attention here in these first three verses, and you see nuggets like this all throughout the Bible, there's a picture of the Trinity right here. Except it's in reverse order. It talks about the Spirit in verse number 4. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's God the Son. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There's God the Father. So we see a picture here of walking with the Lord. And we're walking with the same God as other believers. Not only are we walking together um, with the same God as people we go to church with, but there are people who may be worshiping in an underground church in China right now, and you're walking with the same God. It kind of lights a fire in your life a little bit, don't it? There might be some Christian over in Iran that they're, they're having to hide to have church, but they're worshiping the same God. The same, it says there's one Lord. I can't help but think about when I read this, there's one body, one spirit. I want to go, there's one body, one spirit, one faith alone. If you don't know, then you need to be told. I think that's how it goes. That's a newsboy song. If you don't know it, if you didn't know, you need to be told. So there you go. That's good to know that we're not walking alone. Sometimes the enemy would have us to think that as we're walking out this faith in our life and as we're walking out what God has done for us, he, would, he, he wants us to feel isolated and he wants us to feel alone. 
He wants us to feel like nobody else has ever experienced what we're going through. That nobody else has ever experienced being humiliated. That nobody else has ever experienced having to, to draw down to the, to the innermost part of their, their, their being to find patience. But not only are we walking with other believers that have, but we're walking with a Savior that has. As it goes on to say here, in verse, verse 7 through 10, it talks about how we are gifted for this walk. It says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And so there in verse number 7, he talks about how that each of us were given a gift. Or, uh, through grace, we were given this gift according to Christ's measure. We're gifted to walk. Now, I'm so glad to have the gift and the ability to physically walk, but to spiritually walk. He's gifted each one of us as believers. Did you know that... You, it's going to sound like some self-help thing. Did you know you're special? We've each been gifted in different ways. Your gift may not be what this person's gift is, and that person's gift may not be what that person's gift is. And it says over in Romans 12, he says, For as, as in one body we have many members... And the members do not have the same function. I'm kind of glad for that. Ain't you? Imagine coming to church on Sunday morning and everybody has on the same clothes. We've got the same shirt. We've got the same pants. Uh, we, we all pulled in the same car. You know? Uh, how would you find your car in a parking lot? I mean, you'd have to hit your button to see which car was yours. You know? Many members, we don't have the same function. It says, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. And he goes on to list a bunch of gifts. And then in, in Psalm, or the next verse, verse number 8, he's quoting Psalm 68, 18. And basically what he's doing here is he's applying a victory song of David. He's applying it to Jesus. And it's a picture of a military conqueror leading his captives and, and, and sharing his spoil with his followers. And in this case, the captives are not his enemies, but they're his own. Sinners that were once captive by sin are now held by Christ. I'm so glad this morning that he holds us. Death itself is defeated. You see, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. But then talks about how he, is, how he descended. And Jesus Christ himself stepped out of his own glory and came down to earth in the most humble way we celebrated every Christmas and was born and laid in a manger. I mean, just as humble a way as a, as a child could come into this earth. And he lived that perfect sinless life and he died on a cross, a death of thieves and robbers and murderers, 
so that our sins could be nailed to the cross. They put him in a tomb, the most humiliating death that somebody could die. They put him in a tomb, and on the third day, he came out of that tomb victorious over death, over hell, and over the grave. So that we could be gifted to walk. Not because we're trying to earn something, but because of what he has already done for us. So what's the purpose of all this? And I, I, I could go on. I've got more, but I, th- I think we're going we're gonna to cut it right here. And I just want to close with this thought. The purpose of all this is not so that we can get praise. Somebody say, look at, look at him or look at her and how good a life they live. And if that's what you're after, you're going to be disappointed in it. Because for every pat on the back, as, as the old saying goes, we're looking for a soft spot, you know, to stick the knife in. That's the way it goes with human praise. The purpose of all this is so that we can glorify the Lord, to bring glory and honor to Him. And it's not um, your, your walk, your walk of faith, your walk with the Lord, it may look different than somebody else's and that's okay you might meet people in your life that somebody else may never meet it may not ever your walk of faith may not ever get an article written in the front page of the Elizabethan Star there might not be any uh, people from the news media coming to interview you because of your walk of faith and how great it is may never read about it on a billboard, may never have your name put up in lines. But I like what it says over in Micah 6, 8. This is one of our favorite verses as a family. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. What's the Lord require? What's he looking for? What is the Lord looking for in somebody that's on this journey, that's on this walk? To do justice, to act justly, to love kindness, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. When we walk humbly with the Lord, we realize exactly what he has done for us and exactly who he is and where we would be without him we're walking with him this morning. So your walk, it may, it may not look like somebody else's. It may look totally different. And it may not, you may think, well, I must be doing this wrong because nobody's noticing. It's not about them. It's about our walk with the Lord this morning. We'll close with a, with a song. And uh, we'll respond how... I guess maybe how the Lord might direct your heart as we close. I'm going to have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you, uh, Lord, that you make a way for us to walk out our faith in this life. God, this may be practical this morning. This may not be 
rich in those Bible doctrines. But Lord, it's very practical. And Lord, we know, God, that you're there with us. And God, that you walk with us. And Lord, that you direct our steps. And God, we just pray that you would just guide our hearts as we walk humbly with you. In Jesus' name.